may be seated. I'm going to say a, a few things about humility uh, this evening. That's our last evening session together. I, I want to uh, address the topic of humility and going to be reminding you of some things you have been taught uh, most of your life. Many of you have been taught this most of your life. It's always good to have refreshers. Um, I'm a little frustrated. This is a topic and some of the texts we're going to uh, cite. Uh, really, there, there's really some nuance there. I just don't have the time to tease out. And so it's going to be a little oversimplified. I apologize about that, but that's the way it's going to have to be. Um, I want to begin, though, by reading just the first section of chapter 2 of Proverbs. If you want to turn there with me. This is going to be the backdrop. Um, and then we'll look at some uh, other, other verses from Proverbs about humility. Chapter 2 of Proverbs, starting in verse 1, we'll read down, um, let's read down to verse 8. Hear now the word of God. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. The word of the Lord. God. What do you notice real quickly before I move on? Um, starting in verse uh, one, we have some verbs there: um, receive, treasure, make your ear attentive, incline your heart, call, seek. You notice anything about the pattern of those verbs? Is there any, any anything going on? You think consider the relationship with those verbs? Is that like wondering about things? Yeah, certainly there's an interest. You know, someone's interested in something, but even more than that, what's what's, what's the relationship between receiving and treasuring up? What's, are they kind of the same? Is one maybe more intense than another, or less intense? What do you think? They're progressively getting more intense. Yeah, there's a progression, and don't we see this uh, often in biblical poetry, right? An intensification. Uh, Psalm 1 that Pastor Hattie uh, quoted earlier today, right? Stand, and walk, sit. I got it backwards, but get the idea of a progression there. Same thing happening here. Think about it. Receive, treasure, give your ear, make it attentive, incline your heart. Then you call, right? You start using your voice. You call. Now you're raising your voice. Now you're just calling anymore. You're shouting. Then you go up. You get up. And you start seeking it. You're searching for it. Right? There's an intensification. This is, this is really, really an intensive activity. Wisdom is something we go after. It's not something we just sit and passively receive. Uh, the beauty of, uh, toward the end of a conference like this is you've heard so much good teaching. I'm not including myself, but from the other pastors. And those, uh, all that starts to come together. So it's hard to say anything that hasn't already been touched on in one way or another. So that's going to happen several times 
uh, and a few things I have to say here. So, um, regarding humility, uh, consider the passage, or excuse me, consider the proverb 22, verse 4. The reward, oh, by the way, I am uniquely qualified to give this talk on humility because I am the world's most humble person. <laughs> uh, obviously, I'm kidding. Proverbs 22, verse 4. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. The theme of humility and openness and reasonableness and teachability is pervasive throughout this book, the book of Proverbs. It never stops begging us to keep learning, as we read in chapter 2 there, to keep growing, to mature in wisdom and discernment. And it completely eschews a passive approach to life. We talked about the sluggard this morning. How can we grow in wisdom unless we are teachable? How can we mature unless we are open to change and willing to accept the revealed truth of God, to store it up, to pay careful attention to it, to cry out for it, to seek it out with great intentionality? That, that sort of upward growth traject, trajectory toward maturity and wisdom requires and assumes humility. It's necessary. And so in our recognition that we are not sufficient in ourselves to stand before God, we come to Jesus Christ and we say, we want newness of life from you. We know that's what we need. We're coming to you for it because you have it. We are open to you. We are listening to you. And so show us your glory because we have to receive that. The posture of humility that we come, we sit under the word of the Lord. And that radical kind of openness assumes humility and, and, and then... In response, God makes promises to us. He promises honor. To honor those that with humility and readiness of heart, he will give the fear of the Lord. And so the Bible is crystal clear on the, the, the topic of humility, right? And we could go on and on and on just citing references of Scripture that talk about this explicitly. I'll mention a few here. From Matthew 23, Whoever exalts himself, our Lord says, will be humbled. But whoever humbles himself will be exalted. James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Matthew 18, 4. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Ezekiel 21, 26. Exalt that which is low, and bring low that which is exalted. Isaiah 40, verse 4. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. This message is all over the Bible. It's basic to the ways of God. You've been taught it. You've been disciplined in this. And the irony is this. Pride that we think exalts us actually humiliates us. And humility, which we think is humiliating, honors us. This is what Dallas Willard calls the upside-down kingdom. That's how he describes the kingdom of God. Things upside down to our natural ways. And so we have, I think, an intuitive understanding of this truth, Right? When we see a person who is full of himself and drawing attention to himself, what do we feel inside when we see that? Is that something we like? Is that something we really do want to emulate? Do we admire that trait in that person? Do we hope uh, our children grow up to be like that guy? Or is our instinct that we want to cut him down to size? We want to see him be put in his place, right? At least a little. How satisfying that would be, because as onlookers, we recognize how ugly pride really is when someone else puts it on display. 
We often don't see it in ourselves, but we intuitively recognize it in other people. How delighted we are when Biff gets knocked out by George McFly in Back to the Future. We love that, right? We call it poetic justice. It satisfies something deep in us, right? We love these kinds of reversals of fortune. And so when we see someone else who is humble and lifting others up and doing diligent and faithful work without expecting anything to recognition and so forth, don't we also desire to see that person get some credit for it? He who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted, even for us, but far more with God himself. We walk into a better future, not through self-exaltation, but through humility before Christ. God blesses the humble because, amazingly, God himself is humble. Here is a prayer that God will never refuse from us. Lord, keep me in your humility. Keep me down low before you, where I belong. Humility before God is the safest place for every one of us. One pastor says, I find it good for me sometimes when I pray to get down on my face, literally, put my face to the ground. Not just on my knees, but down on my face, as low as I can get. It is contrary to my pride. But that, that's the lowest place where I belong before the Most High God. It is also the place of great blessing in prayer. The Hebrew word for worship, shakah, literally, literally means to prostrate oneself before God in a physical posture of humility. And so we need to be deliberate in our pursuit of humility because though we can easily detect it in others or, or detect pride in others, we do not naturally see pride in ourselves. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, is what Proverbs tells us. Pride feels normal to us. It's our default, right? We trust in our own minds. We feel innocent about our own sin. We feel more sinned against than we do sinful, like Shakespeare's King Lear, if you're familiar with that story. But what matters is not how we feel, of course, but where we are going. What is the way? Are we on the path? What, what's our trajectory? There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. The scariest thing about us is our glib self-assurance sometimes. We are not alarmed by our own sin. We are not shocked at our own pride. And so the on-ramps to the interstate of death, Proverbs tell us, have no flashing warning signs, no big sirens or sounds or red lights. We creep along and uh, sometimes we wake up and realize... Uh, we've gone way too far. But God is telling us, obviously, in his word, and we need to pay attention to that. So how does humility behave? Just some, uh, some practical insights here from a few other Proverbs to consider. Uh, Proverbs 13, 13 says, Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. Reveres. I want you to hold on to that one. And then from Proverbs 15.31, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof, think of Proverbs 2 also that we read, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. And then Proverbs 28.13, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. This is related to what Pastor Neil uh, taught on earlier today. Um, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. 
So the three words, reveres, listens, and confesses that these three texts bring to us, that's what I want to uh, focus on here uh, as we just tie some of this together. This is how humility behaves. This is, this is what it looks like. It reveres, it listens, and it confesses, and in that order. So humility reveres the Word of God. Uh, Pastor Jeffrey uh, just taught uh, an excellent lesson on this from Nehemiah. Humility reveres the Word of God, but pride obviously despises it, has no interest in it. And we know that, that even the scoffer, right? The scoffer isn't just not happy with the Word of God, right? He intentionally and enjoys uh, contradicting it. Uh, our, our scripture, uh, the Bible, is a book for our sanctification, all of it. And he will, God will reward uh, humility before it with more and deeper understanding of it. And you will grow if you come to the Word in humility. You may not always grow in some technical, uh, academic sense, but you will grow in wisdom and understanding. And the other will come naturally, too, as you just get more familiar with it. And second, humility listens to life-giving reproof. Pastor Neil's talk. Um, we have no obligation to pay attention to punitive abuse. That's not what this is talking about. But wise reproof is life-giving. It's a source of life, the Bible teaches us. Reproof is life-giving correction. We don't like being corrected, but we do need our feathers ruffled. That's good for us. It gives us life. And uh, Pastor Booth was mentioning this in his talk yesterday. Um, when was the last time you said to someone that you trust, help me see myself? How can I improve? What, what am I missing? What am I not seeing about myself that I need to be? Where am I going wrong? Help me see these things. And if you are not in any kind of relationship where you trust anyone enough to open up like this and then really listen to them, uh, there, there may be a reason. The reason may not be that you can't find someone who's good enough for the job. Uh, the reason may be your pride, ironically. Your, maybe your pride is keeping you from having a friend like that. But humbly listening to trust and correction is essential to entering into the community of the wise. And that's where we want to be. And thirdly, humility confesses and forsakes sin. We would rather save face, of course, when we've sinned and, and be humiliated, humiliated by that sin, shame. But it is so freeing to confess our sins, as Pastor Neil reminds us, especially to one another, uh, in the appropriate way. Uh, when we confess and we forsake our sins, we obtain mercy. God promises that to us. The Hebrew term for mercy is often uh, translated from uh, um, the English, rather, the English mercy is translated from a Hebrew term that is related to the word for a mother's womb. I want you to think about that just a, for just a second. The root of that word and how it's employed and how we translate it into the word mercy in English is based on a word that refers to the mother's womb in Hebrew. What's the connection? And that's a beautiful image. I mean, think about the connection. Uh, what, kind of, what kind of tenderness and mercy does a mother have for the child growing in her body already? Right? Just the thought of it. Okay? God has a mother's heart for sinners who open up and come clean before him. That's his posture toward us when we are humble before him. He has a different attitude to those who are prideful. God envelops us in his tenderness and warmth when we confess and forsake our sins before him. He promises us mercy when we are humble before him. And so let's never think as individuals 
Well, I'm glad I'm not like that person or those people out there, right? Or as a church even, collectively. Well, thank God we're not like those other churches who don't get it right. Um, the Bible has serious warnings for this kind of attitude that reveals a certain pride that's lurking in us. What arrogance that is. We confess our own sins. We don't confess... Uh, we, I mean, in our prayers of confession, we do confess the sins of the world to God, uh, but not in a, a tattletelling way, right? We, we feel responsible. And so, uh, Jonathan Edwards has some thought, thoughts on this that I think is really powerful, and I'll, I'll draw things to a close here. Um, he, he wrote uh, uh, an essay, really a book to us, Thoughts on the Revival, um, during his day. And in that, here's what he says. I'm going to quote him here. Listen to this. I think this is really important. Uh, Edward says, Spiritual pride tends to speak of other person's sins with bitterness or with laughter or an air of contempt. Contempt. Other person's sins. But pure Christian humility, rather, tends either to be silent about these problems or to speak of them with grief and pity. Spiritual pride is very apt to suspect others, but a humble Christian is most guarded about himself. He is as suspicious of nothing in the world as he is of his own heart. The proud person is apt to find fault with other believers that they are low in grace and to be quick to note their deficiencies. But the humble Christian has so much to do at home and sees so much evil in his own heart and is so concerned about, about it that he's not apt to be very busy with other hearts. He is apt to esteem others better than himself, which is exactly what uh, Jesus commands us. Uh, and so that really hits hard to me. I'm guilty of this. Uh, I do uh, think of other people's sins more than my own often. And I, don't, and I don't do it with the kind of pity that I should, when really I've got so much work to do at home I, I don't have any time for other people's sins. I've got my own that I need to focus on, right? And that's a test of humility for us. Um, and so, as we know, uh, you can repeat this with me because you probably know it from memory. Philippians 2. Though Christ Jesus was in the form of God, he did not count it equality. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself Nothing of no, yeah, no reputation. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of, Amen. and being found in human form, flesh, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of even death. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every unconfessed that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. C.S. Lewis wrote that pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. Philippians 2 just described God's humility in Jesus Christ. And that's why C.S. Lewis can say pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. And this humble God loves us proud sinners even still. That's the amazing thing. And he even wants to share his glory with us on terms of his grace. So I ask you, what, what step of self-humbling 
is God calling you to take as you listen this week to instruction, as you've seen the mirror has been put in front of you, God's word, and that standard has been lifted up before you? Uh, what is that? What is he calling? What kinds of steps is he calling you to take toward humility and following the Lord Jesus in greater measure? Whatever it is, know this: He will honor you as you take that next step. That's what the Scriptures promise. And after humility, there is honor. After the cross comes the crown. Pastor Hattie talked about this in detail today. So enter in and humble yourself before Christ. Risk your everything on God's faithful, faithful promises. And he will be true to you. That's the promise. The fulfillment of the promises of the blessed life in Proverbs find their ultimate fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ, of course. He is the way. And so we meditate on him. He will defend us. He will protect us. He will not lose us. Uh, All the things that the Proverbs attributes to wisdom is true of our Lord Jesus. And so the wisdom of humility and the fear of the Lord that safeguards us is consummated in the wisdom of God of Jesus Christ. Christ is the true wisdom of God. That's the glory of it, and that's the message we get to both uh, live by and proclaim to the world. And yet the duties are still the same, and therefore we accept him. We give attention to him. We call out to him. We commit our life to him. We work and search and seek to find the riches of wisdom in him, and in return we will have life and life more abundantly. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful to you for the truth of your word. We thank you that you correct us, but you also give us promises. And uh, we ask, Lord, that you continue by your Spirit's work in us to humble us before you so that we might experience uh, the great blessing and honor that comes from recognizing our place before you and for lifting you high and putting ourselves low. And through that, we know like you did uh, with your Son, our Lord, uh, you will glorify us, uh, but in your way, not the world's way. And so, Lord, may that be our story. May that characterize us and help us, we pray, for the sake of Christ. Amen. 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 Let's stand and sing with the glory of God.